When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For all the talk from Eddie Jones when it was all said and done, it was the All Blacks 38, it was the Wallabies 7. And for 21 consecutive years, the All Blacks retain the Bledisloe Cup. So what did the Australians make of that Wallabies performance last night? Christy Doran, rugby editor of The Raw, joins us on the programme. Afternoon to you, Christy. Morning. Yeah, great to join you. Okay, what was the general consensus from yourself and your fellow uh, journalistic colleagues and the general Australian rugby public on that performance last night? Oh, look, you opened it up by saying there was a lot of talk by Eddie Jones throughout the week and indeed the last couple of weeks. Oh, look, I don't think anyone was surprised by the result. There was a real sense of inevitability about what we were going to see and I think that was certainly the case with uh, some of the, the bold selections that Eddie Jones uh, chose with you know, Carter Gordon at 10 uh, in just his third match at 22 years um, you know really just had his first full super rugby season and it, he wasn't just the other one there were several players that between the ages of 22 and 24 that don't have 40, 50, 60 matches of super rugby experience underneath their belts and I think that was kind of exposed we saw guys like Richie Mwanga and Bowden Barrett, uh, Will Jordan at the top of their games uh, their ability to manipulate defence, uh, their kicking game. It was just probably talk and cheese between that and the Australians that were still trying to find their way uh, in front of a huge crowd. Uh, and I think the kicking game really was was the big difference between the two sides. Uh, the All Blacks kicked the ball to get the, back, the ball back. The, the Wallabies attempted to, but their accuracy, their skill set, let them down significantly. Um, but I think it was actually a step forward from the previous couple of weeks where the Wallabies had lost, obviously, to Argentina and South Africa. Uh, but they showed some great fight, particularly in the forward back. Angus Bell had a, a way of a game. He was perhaps the, the best player on the field. Um, some, something, some silver linings there up front, but a, a long, long way back this Wallabies side is coming from. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I watched that game uh, intently last night. I'm not sure that that scoreline reflected um, the difference between the two sides. I thought the Wallabies very, very good to start the second half and really nice strategic move from Eddie Jones to make the changes that he did do because the All Blacks were stifled for the first 15 minutes. Equally, too, the first 20, 25 minutes from the Wallabies were superb. Yeah, yeah, you, and you're right. And and the little things that, that let them down, rather, you know, they, they had... Two yellow cards last night and four tries were scored by the All Blacks. And you think about that, that's probably the moments uh, before and after halftime. Uh, the All Blacks able to score. Uh, and then clearly the Wallabies dominated both possession and territory in the early stages of that second half. They weren't able to come away with anything. And just being able to not take those chances, three or four line-outs, a uh, quick Quick touch there from from Tate McDermott. He managed to get a, a foot on the ball, unlike Mark Talia before half time. But not being able to take those chances, and and is that because of the lack of experience? Is that because of new combinations? 
uh, or is that just some brilliance from the, the All Blacks defence? It's probably a combination of all three. Well, you've got to tip your hat to the All Blacks. They're in, in great form. Uh, they're flying under Ian Foster. Uh, they've certainly made a statement on the eve of the World Cup, but it was there was a reminder from Eddie Jones in his post-match press conference where he said, look, you know, we were smashed, we were hammered by the All Blacks in 2003. Uh, and yes, we all know what happened in the semi-final a few months later on. So it's all well and good firing at this point in time of the season. You've got to be firing in a couple of months in Paris. Yeah, look, and a lot of people buy into that. Unfortunately, here in New Zealand, um, All Blacks are expected to win every test. Um, you know, and, and I'm a believer. I don't want to be putting all of our rugby once every four years and constantly building. It's been a real criticism. I mean, winning is a habit, but there's a lot of merit in what you do say. But a number of major injury concerns for the Australians. So, um, Alan Alatoa and Taniala Tupo both looking like they've suffered some pretty major injuries. What's the latest, and how much of a concern? Yeah, this is a catastrophic blow. Alan Alatoa, uh, acting captain last night, a guy that's more than 50 tests, Achilles rupture, it looks like, a suspected one anyway. And you could see, we, we spoke to Angus Bell and Simon Karevi post-game and they were devastated for, for Alan Alatoa, a bloke who's immensely uh, well-regarded within the squad, but also a fine, tight head in his own right. Uh, yeah, obviously he'll, he'll miss the World Cup and... Uh, the, the bloke that we've obviously got huge hopes for, Taniela Tupo, made his comeback for the Wallabies last night, uh, and, and a rib injury of sorts. How long that keeps him out for, you never quite know. Some players can can play through that pain, uh, others others can't. I, I imagine he won't be on that plane trip over to Dunedin. I think it'd be really tough for him. But who do the Wallabies turn to up front? And we all know if you don't have a strong one or two really strong tight heads. Who, do you, who have you got? Because we've got Zane Nongor who got carved up in his debut off the bench against the box, a young player that's really only 22 and, and he's got the world ahead of him, but he's not there yet. Sam Talakai, another fringe kind of player who's uh, made his debut off the bench against Wales last year and then Pono Farmasili. Look, he could go to James Slipper for this one. Uh, guy's played 130 test matches, but he's probably not even well regarded as he, with his scrummaging on the loose head side, let alone the tight head. So, uh, look, that is probably, I think, the more deflating aspect out of last night is that you lose one of your real trump cards up front and, and heading into World Cup. That's an ominous sign, uh, particularly in France, where, 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 where scrummages and tight heads are, are rock stars. Mm. All Blacks... Arguably guilty in the first 25 minutes of not winning the contact at the breakdown, not getting their cleaners in there. It's been a big emphasis in New Zealand rugby, all about ruck speed, providing that ball there for Aaron Smith. We were very good against South Africa. I think we took a step backwards last night, probably also due to the fact that you know the Wallabies were very good in terms of slowing things down. It'll be an area that the All Blacks will want to improve on this week in the return test match in Dunedin. But equally, the Wallabies will be wanting to improve. So a couple of questions here. Do you pick the same team? What areas do you want to see improvement in for the Wallabies? Also knowing that the All Blacks are going to want to see major improvement in some areas. Yeah, a million dollar question about what side Eddie Jones will roll out. Look, he could he could go back to a, a phrase, Mick, right? There's several players. There's probably about half a dozen players in the squad at the moment who haven't been given any game time, and I dare say that's the case 
uh, under Ian Foster too. I think there will be some changes and I think that's for two reasons. One, they need to ensure that they're fit and firing some of their key players heading into France. They can't afford to lose another bloke, particularly up front. Um, but he also needs to find out a bit more about his tight head stocks. You're losing your two starting, your two best uh, number threes. You've got to find out your depth. So I think it would be, be a step backwards and a, a reactive decision to move James Slipper across uh, to the tight head side. So there will certainly be a change there. I think you'll see a change at hooker, potentially Jordan Release gets some more minutes or Matt Fesler off the, off, uh, to make his debut, potentially. Um, Will Skelton, he was colossal last night and he was probably one of the main people causing the headaches there at the breakdown, got his hands on the ball on a couple of occasions. Uh, I, I just wonder whether or not you just give him a week off and go, hey mate, just go enjoy yourself in the sun for a couple of days, keep fit, we need you in France. Uh, Fraser McWright uh, was probably one of the more surprise omissions uh, in the match with Tom Hooper, I thought he was immense. 32 tackles he made, a bit of pressure at the breakdown, but wasn't able to make that that steal that you really need. Uh, the, the question is, what does he do with his halves? I, I get the feeling like Ryan Lonigan will, will play. Uh, whether or not he starts or comes off the bench, he's an uncapped guy that's been a part of the, the squad for a couple of years. You speak to a lot of smarter people than I and they all think that Ryan Lonigan's got the best pass in Australia by a country mile, doesn't take a step off the ground and the wits that that can give you, the pace and the tempo it can give you, I think that would be really important for Australia going forward. We saw a couple of times last night Tate McDermott twice before hits the deck from relatively short passes, a, a third one, a bit of a Harbour Bridge style pass uh, and Angus Bell gets the ball ripped out moments later probably because he's had to wait for, for an eternity that's something that, that Eddie Jones will be considering. I think the outside backs will, will largely stay the same, but this is you've got to be looking at this in, in two ends. Firstly, to try to find some momentum, but secondly, to build some uh, resilience and some stock in your wider squad because you're going to have to go to it when you're going to France. 17 minutes after one, you're listening to SENZ. Christy Doran, rugby editor of The Roar, is my guest on the program. I'd love an Australian thought on this, Christy. So I want to ask you, where did you think the All Blacks were poor last night? Look, I think Don Papali has come in at seven and we probably saw the timing issue that, that Fraser McWright found a week earlier, or two weeks earlier against against the Pumas. It's very hard for an open-side flanker to come out of the, you know, the wider squad in to start. It's all about timing for the sevens. That's probably an area where they'll look at, but... Look, I think they were they were really marvellous. You think about what they did in defence, the, the ability to hold the Wallabies out for 15, 20 minutes early in that second half and then take their chances. Look, it wasn't completely faultless, but it was it was a very good performance that showed set-piece prowess and ability to stop the defensive more, uh, or the attacking more, that they were they are outstanding in that area. Um, I think Aaron Smith, uh, once again, great tempo, uh, and Richie Moanga. He's just—he's, I think, the world's best ten at the moment, and he's showing that. It's a shame that he's going to be leaving New Zealand rugby. Uh, maybe Australians are happy because they might think that they're closer to a Bledisloe Cup. But th- this was a very good performance from the All Blacks, and they were tested at various times, and they—they they came out of it with with shining colours and. Even Scott Barrett, you know, gets the opportunity ahead of a Sam Whitelock and he stamps up and he, he makes that, that shot of authority in the third minute to, 
to absolutely smoke Tate McDermott and force a try. So uh, that was a good good performance. I, I don't know how you could be too critical from that one. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you're just talking about Scott Barrett there. Uh, a lot of people saying, look, play Scott Barrett at six, Sam Whitelock, Brody Retallick. But I think it's why he's got us into trouble in the past when we've tried to just get the best players on the park. And Scott Barrett showed last night just his value as a lock. Do you now see that as the locking combination going forward, that it will be Brody Retallick, it, it, it will be Scott Barrett, and that will mean potentially that we see Sam Whitelock coming from the bench? Possibly, and look, I don't think you go. I don't think that's a bad thing either way because Sam Whitelock is a guy with so much experience and leadership, and you need that in championship minutes. He's a guy that, if you look throughout the Super Rugby season this year and the last ten years, but particularly Super Rugby season, he was there every single time when the going got tough for the Crusaders. He put his head down into a rack, or he just dominated the line out, or carried the ball when it was necessary. He is a Trojan horse that that has been so destructive for the All Blacks for 10 years. And and if he comes off the bench, I think that's a weapon that you can offer uh, that few sides around the world would be able to match because he's a, he's a winner and you need winners in championship winners. So mm. I think, yeah, I think Scott Barrett provides that, that injection of youth, uh, reward for a, a fantastic season. Uh, and Brody Retallick is big bad Brody. We know what he's like. And he's a guy that probably offers a bit more on-ball strength, which I think you need, particularly in the first half an hour of a test. Okay. Eddie Jones or Dave Rennie? Who was your preferred Wallaby coach? Uh, look, I think it's... I'll answer the question. I think we've, we've turned to Eddie Jones. I think he's the sort of bloke that can still have success at this World Cup. I think Dave Rennie probably could have got the Wallabies to a semi-final. I still think Eddie Jones can get the Wallabies to a semi-final. And as ridiculous as that sounds, we know what the, 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 the World Cup draw has shaped up. And, and the fact that the Wallabies won't have to play a top five side uh, in a quarterfinal is, is extraordinary. Uh, I feel I'm a bit sorry for those up in the north and indeed South Africa and New Zealand that a couple of them were early. But the Wallabies, if they can not lose too many blokes up front, uh, there's still a chance here. But... And you know, people are going to be immediately turning on the Rugby Australia board. The reality is that Eddie Jones is a very, very good coach, uh, and and Rennie's record is thirty-seven percent. So we can't shy away from those facts. Christy Doran, lovely to have you on the program. Thank you for taking time. Much appreciated. Good to join you. Thanks. There you go, Rugby editor of the Raw, an Australian perspective on that Test match last night.